Hello, small group leaders, and welcome to the final small group leaders podcast for the series Moving Mountains. I'm your host, Roy McMillan, and I can't believe that we're already coming to the end of this series. I've found it to be an inspiring and challenging series, and I hope and pray that you have too. In the coming weeks, I will be sending out a survey to get your input on the series. As I mentioned in last week's podcast, over the summer, I'll be sending out occasional podcasts on the topic of small groups, in which I'll share some of the things I've learned about groups through the books I've read. More about that later. Let's get into the study guide. As with last week, this week's guide does not have an icebreaker question. The reflecting on the sermon question can serve as the means to getting the conversation going in your group. The question here asks us to share with the group one thing from this week's sermon that really stood out or spoke to us. This is really meant for each person to just share something briefly and not so much for a discussion. Ask everyone to just briefly share that one thing that stood out to them. I would suggest trying to keep this part of your group time brief, maybe 10 to 15 minutes. But as always, follow the prompt and be guided by the Holy Spirit. The study for this week is broken down into two sections, the power of prayer and taking the next mountain. These are then followed by a section called looking back, which is an opportunity for the group to share on something they will take away from the entire series. The section called The Power of Prayer includes two sets of readings and questions. For the first set of questions, have someone in your group read James chapter 5, verses 16 to 18. These verses are found in a section of James 5 that, in some translations, has the heading The Power of Prayer. In verse 16, James points out that the earnest prayers of a righteous person have great power that leads to wonderful results. The first question here asks, what do you think James means by earnest prayers? The idea that I believe the word earnest carries here is prayer that is persistent, praying without ceasing. One of our values at Evangel is we pray until something happens. That's earnest prayer. It's prayer that keeps on storming the gates of heaven until something happens. The next question asks, what do you think makes someone a righteous person? A righteous person is one who is obedient to the Lord, a person who trusts in God and trusts in his word. It's a person who looks to follow God's ways in everything that he does. The next set of questions begins with readings from 1 Kings. There are three specific passages here. Have three people in the group each read one of the passages. If you have someone who doesn't share much in the discussions, this is a good way to involve him or her in the group time. The readings here are 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 1. 1 Kings chapter 18, verses 1 to 2, and 1 Kings 18, verses 41 to 45. In the passage from James, we saw that the author pointed to the prophet Elijah in giving us an example of the earnest prayers of a righteous person. 
After having read the passages from 1 Kings, ask the group, from what you just read about Elijah, why do you think that James uses him as an example in his statement on prayer in verse 16? When we look at Elijah, we see someone who was consistently obedient to the Lord. God told Elijah to pray that there would be no rain in Israel for three years, and Elijah did as God commanded. Three years later, God told Elijah to pray for rain, and again, Elijah did what God, what God told him to do. And then when Elijah prayed for rain, and rain did not immediately begin to fall, Elijah kept praying. He prayed seven times. What I find especially interesting in the passage from James is that James points out that Elijah was human just as we are. Elijah was a prophet called by God, but Elijah was human. He had frailties, insecurities, and made mistakes just as we do. James was letting us know that the earnest prayers of a righteous person are not just the function of those who have a special calling on their lives. They're not just the function of prophets or teachers or pastors. Each and every one of us, if we live a life obedient to God, can offer those earnest prayers, those prayers that have great power and produce wonderful results. The second question here asks, what does the story of Elijah teach you about the power of persisting in prayer and expecting an answer from God? How can you apply the example of Elijah to your own prayer life? These questions are personal application, and the answers will vary for everyone. What Elijah's story teaches me about persisting in prayer is that it's important to pray, pray, and then pray again. Even when we don't see the answer and there is no evidence that, of that answer coming, we need to continue to pray and to trust in God for the answer. Each time Elijah prayed, he sent his servant out to see if there was any sign of rain. When the servant came back with a negative response, Elijah did not give up. He had faith that God would bring the rain, and so he kept on praying. The seventh time that he prayed and sent his servant out, the servant said that he saw a cloud that was no bigger than a man's hand. With that little sign, Elijah knew that the rain was about to fall, which of course it did. We can't give up praying just because our eyes don't see the answer. The next section is called Taking the Next Mountain. Here we have three sets of questions and readings. For the first set of questions, have someone read 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 1 to 9. Immediately after praying for rain and seeing God's hand move, Elijah left the mountaintop. He did not linger on the mountaintop watching and rejoicing in God's miraculous power. He left the mountaintop and immediately found himself in a valley. He learned that Jezebel was seeking to have him killed, and so he feared for his life and ran. But soon Elijah was on another mountaintop. In the passage from 1 Kings 19, we read that God sustained Elijah through the, in the valley, providing Elijah with food to give him strength as he led him to the next mountaintop. The question here is, 
How has God sustained you in the valleys you have found yourself in? As we saw last week, the valley can be a difficult place to be. Sometimes God will answer our prayer by taking us out of the valley, but sometimes we need to walk through the valley to get to the next mountaintop in our lives. But just as God sustained Elijah in his valley, God will sustain us in ours. He may place someone in our lives to walk with us through the valley. He may give us the peace that pass, surpasses understanding as we walk through the valley. He may point us to verses or stories in his word that will lift us up and keep us going as we walk through the valley. As your group begins to share on this, encourage any who feel that they have not been sustained in the valley. The stories that others share about how God did sustain them could be very inspiring and helpful to those who have not seen this happen in their lives. For the next set of questions, have someone read Matthew chapter 17, verses 1 to 9. When Jesus was transfigured on the mountaintop, Peter and the other disciples wanted to linger there and set up shelters as a memorial. But Jesus did, did not want them to linger. The question here is, why is it important that we do not linger on the mountaintop? What can happen if we make our mountaintops a memorial? One of the main points that we're trying to get to in this study is that we can't linger on the mountaintops that we find ourselves on. We can't linger because God wants to do more. We may walk through a valley, but God has more mountaintops for us to reach. After the disciples said that they wanted to linger there and build an altar, God interrupted by speaking from heaven and telling them that Jesus was his beloved son, whom they should listen to. Then Jesus told them not to speak of what they saw to anyone until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. Jesus was telling them not to linger on their mountaintop experience. They needed to leave the mountain and wait because they would see something even greater. There were more mountaintops to come. If we linger on the mountaintop we are currently on, we can miss out on the next mountaintop. When we make the mountaintop a memorial or a monument and linger at that memorial or monument, we may, we may miss the milestones ahead of us. We may miss the mountaintops ahead. In this passage from Matthew, the suggestion made by Peter is reflective of human thinking, not divine wisdom. Sure, it would be wonderful to stay on the mountaintop and bask in God's glory, but true discipleship means denying oneself, taking up a cross, and following Jesus. We can't do that while lingering on the mountaintop. In the valley below, there are people who are suffering. There are needs to be met and people who need to be pointed to Jesus. In order to share Jesus' glory on the mountaintop, we must be willing to follow him into the sufferings of, of the valley below. For the last set of questions in this section, have someone read 1 Kings chapter 18, verses 36 to 39. We see in this passage that Elijah wanted to make it clear to the people of Israel 
that it was God who enabled him to defeat the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel. When God brings us from the valley to a mountaintop, or even when he sustains us in the valley, it's important that we share what he has done with others, pointing them to God. There are two questions here. The first is, share with the group about a time when God answered your prayer and it was evident to those around you. How did you use that miracle in your life to point others to the Lord? Just as Elijah wanted the miracles that occurred in answer to his prayers to point the people of Israel to God, when we experience an answer to prayer, we should look to have that answer point others to God. We need to share what God has done with others through our testimony. And when others witness the miracles in our lives that come as an answer to our prayer, we need to make it clear that it was not through our own power that these things happened, but by the power and the hand of God. We need to point them to Him. The second question is, why do you think it's important that we share our testimonies of God's hand in our lives with others. Our testimonies can be powerful. First and foremost, they can point others to God. They can introduce those who are not believers to the great love and faithfulness of our God and to be the catalyst in bringing them into a life-changing relationship with Jesus. And our testimonies can also inspire and encourage others who may currently find themselves in a valley, giving them, giving them hope that God is there with them and will bring them through that valley into a gateway of hope. The final section, looking back, is just an opportunity to share as a group what we have learned through the Moving Mountain series. As it points out, in this series, we have learned about the importance of calling on the Lord. We looked at the power of partnership, profession, and preparation when it comes to taking the mountain. We learned what is needed as we look to move from the valley of trouble into the gateway of hope. If time allows, have the group reflect on what they have learned through this series and share one thing that they will look to apply in their lives. Well, that brings us to the end of this study and to the end of the series. I hope that it has touched the lives of everyone in your group. Before I close this podcast in prayer, there are just a few things I wanted to add. Number one, to all of you leaders, I want to say thank you, thank you, thank you. Small groups are such an important part of who we are at Evangel, and I appreciate each one of you for the leadership you provide in leading and hosting a small group. I'm believing that small groups are going to continue to grow as we move into the future. Over the summer, while we do not have any small, formal small group studies happening, I encourage you to try and keep your groups together. Meet over the summer, even if it's only once a month. You don't have to meet for a Bible study. Meet for fellowship. Fellowship is great, and it serves to continue to build the community within your group that you have hopefully developed in the last two small group series. 
Some ideas for groups over the summer would be to have a group barbecue, a group picnic, or a potluck, potluck lunch or dinner. You could go to the beach as a group, see a movie together, or go to a ball game together. The possibilities are endless. Keep that community going. In the next couple of weeks, as I mentioned before, I will be sending out a survey to get your input on this most recent series and on small groups in general. Your input is very much appreciated and it will help us to make the small groups ministry the best it can be. I will also be looking to see who will be returning as a group leader in the fall, as well as to see if there are members of your group who you believe could be potential small group leaders. Finally, as I have mentioned, over the summer, I will be sending out an occasional podcast to bring you some small group tips and ideas and to let you know about resources I recommend. I will also keep you up to date on small group news. The next small group season will take place in the fall, probably beginning in September. To kick that off, we will likely have another small groups fair. Stay tuned. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for all that you have done through this series that we have been studying. Thank you for showing us that we can always call on you and you will answer. Thank you for being with us in the valleys as well as on the mountaintops. I thank you for each of our small group leaders and for all that they do to help us to realize our value of We Rode Together. I pray that you will bless them as they enjoy time with their families over the summer and bless all of those in their groups as well. I pray that they will grow together as communities who seek to give you glory in all that they do. I pray all of this in the precious name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Have a great time in groups this week and have a great summer. God bless.